0: And that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. It has been said this that you can live a month without food. All right, some of us after Christmas may need to put this into action, see if it'll work. You can live a month without food, you can live three days without water, and you can live five minutes without air. But you can't live one second without hope. Hope is a confidence. Hope is an assurance of what is to come. And one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon, in his book called Proverbs, says it this way in Proverbs 13 and verse 12. Hope deferred, makes the heart sick. He's saying failure to realize one's hopes and dreams that leads to disappointment, it it makes the heart sick. If we're honest with each other, we've all been there at Christmas time, right? Mariah Carey reminds us of this every year in her classic song when she says, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. You know you want to sing it, don't you? Be honest, baby. All I want for Christmas is you. And every year, today, I'm standing at Best Buy, buying last-minute gifts. And what am I listening to standing in Best Buy? Baby, all I want for Christmas is you, right? And the reality is we all have this want, this hope, this dream for something, right? Maybe it's, it is a person. If I could just be married, if I could just have... A girlfriend or a boyfriend in my life, then my life would be complete. That's my hope and dream. If maybe at Christmas time, if that one Christmas gift will be under the tree, my, my hopes and dreams will come true. But we do it with relationships. We do it with finances. And we have this mentality, if, if I can just have that, then I would be complete, that I have everything that I need. All my hopes and dreams would come true. But we know the reality comes after Christmas. And the beginning of a new year, when we look back and all that we wanted, we didn't get. And it makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We didn't get what we wanted again this year. And we're disappointed. But an even tougher reality is the reality when you get everything you want, but your heart's still sick. Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks until Patrick Mahomes has come along. Can I get a witness in the room today? Uh, He will be far behind Patrick Mahomes by the time he's done. But nonetheless, and I heard we won today, and sorry if you didn't know that. That's a good thing. I was listening to it on the way in. But Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game of football. By the age of 27, and he's played almost 18 years now since then, But at the age of 27, he seemingly had everything a person could want. Fame, fortune, success. He was at the top of of the football world, had won three Super Bowls by that moment. And after he wins the third Super Bowl, he's doing an interview with 60 Minutes. And here's what he says about winning. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings And think there is something greater out there for me. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There has to be something more than this. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27. What else is there for me? He had everything. But had nothing. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I believe tonight that Christmas reminds us that hope is available to everyone in the room. That that hope is available to you tonight. And Christmas reminds us of that. That you don't have to live a life of no hope. You don't have to come to the end of another year and lack hope and have a heart that's sick because you didn't get what you dreamed and hoped for. Or you don't have to come to the end of another year and have everything you want, but there's still that ache in your soul that something's missing. There's got to be something more. The Bible is broken into two sections one is called the Old Testament, and there's 39 books in the Old Testament. And then there's a new, another section called the New Testament, and there's 27 books in the New Testament. And these books are broken up, 39 and 27, and the Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. And in the book of Malachi, it ends with this Disappointment. It ends with the Lord saying that He's going to destroy His people again because they have disobeyed; they have not followed the Lord. And from Malachi to the first book of the second section, known as the New Testament, there's the book called Matthew. There's 400 years between those two books, and in those 400 years, there's darkness and quietness from God, and, and there's this sense of that there is no hope. There's disappointment, but. Before that, God had inspired prophets to write and give flashes of hope of what was to come. That there was a Messiah, there was a king who would come and would take disappointments and he would turn those to hope. He would take darkness and he would turn it to light. And so when Matthew is beginning to write his book, he's beginning to document the life of Jesus. His mind runs back to a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, Isaiah said this The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Isaiah is saying to the people, hope is coming. In your darkness, in your disappointment, hope is coming. He goes on to say in verse 6 and 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, of his rule and of peace, there will be no end. When he is in charge, there's hope forever on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. So this was a light in the midst of this dark time. And then Matthew starts pinning his biography of Jesus' life. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus is going public with his ministry and Matthew is thinking about this, this hope that was prophesied about, he goes to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 and he says this, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, behold the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then listen to these words, they should sound familiar. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, And for those dwelling in the region of shadow of death, on them the light has shone. Matthew was saying, listen, I know this was 700 years ago, but he was prophesying about Jesus. Hope has come. The light has dawned. And his name is Jesus. There was another writer of scripture who's known as Luke, and these guys wrote what was referred to as the Gospels, and there's the life of Jesus, basically, and Luke is writing the life of Jesus, and he documents for us when the light had dawned in Luke chapter two. We refer to this as the Christmas story, and I want to read the Christmas story to you because that's why we've gathered tonight, right, is to hear the Christmas story, but as you listen to Luke's writing of Jesus' birth. I want you to listen for the hope. I want you to listen to the hope of Mary, to the hope of the shepherds as I read it. It goes like this in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 20. And while they, Mary and Joseph, were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, that's Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger Because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Do you feel the hope in that statement that the angels made? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. See, this is more than just a Christmas story. This is more than just the Christmas story. This is a story of hope. Jesus' first advent, Jesus' first coming brought hope to a dark and disappointed world. Jesus is our hope. And Jesus has come. And Christmas reminds us That he is our hope. The shepherds knew it. Why did they leave glorifying and praising God? Because they knew hope had come. Why does the Bible say that Mary treasured all these things in her heart? Because Mary knew that hope had come. That the light had dawned. Do you know it? Do you know the hope? Of Christmas? Do you know the hope that the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings to you? Do you know that hope? Paul talks about this hope in Romans chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, when he again quotes Isaiah the prophet. And he says, Isaiah said, the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. Listen to this, in him, this is speaking of Jesus, this is prophecy about him, in him, in Jesus, will the Gentiles hope, that's you and me. We're the Gentiles. In Jesus, we will hope. And he goes on to say, because of this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. See, hope is found in believing in Jesus. Hope is found in believing in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Listen, it's one thing for you to know the Christmas story. That's a good thing, right? It's a good starting place. But it doesn't stop with just knowing the story. You got to believe in Jesus. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to believe in it. Do you believe that Jesus lived the life that you couldn't live because of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus died a sinner's death that you deserve to die because of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus did what you could never accomplish on your own? And that in his death and in his resurrection, he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, and he conquered death. Do you believe in Jesus? Hope. This assurance, this confidence comes through believing in Jesus. Because here's the deal. You're wired to hope. You've been wired by God to hope. But the danger comes when you begin to hope in things that are temporary. When you begin to hope in a person. When you take Mariah Carey's song to heart. And all I want for Christmas is you. And if I have you, then I am complete, right? No, it doesn't work that way. Or maybe you're like Tom Brady. If I get everything I want, then I know I'll have hope that everything will be good. And the reality is that's not true. Because why? That's all temporary. But Christmas hope is eternal hope. Because Christmas hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to how John puts it in 1 John chapter 1. In verse 1 through 3. He says, that which was from the beginning. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus has always been that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. They got to see him with their own eyes and we have seen him with our eyes and we have looked upon him and touched him with our hands concerning the word of life. These are just other ways to describe Jesus. The word of life, the life speaking of Jesus was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you what the eternal life. What is he saying? Jesus is the eternal life. You see, Christmas hope is eternal hope because it's found in Jesus. Do you have that hope? A hope that's not temporary, a hope that's not gonna ebb and flow with how life goes, but do you have this eternal hope that can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ? Do you have this, this hope? See, Sunday after Sunday, one of the greatest privileges that I get to do is I get to stand up here most Sundays and look in the eyes of members of our church whose eyes are full of hope. And what will surprise you is that a lot of the people's eyes that I look in, their life is not perfect. Sometimes when we think about church and gathering with people that everybody comes in, we put on these faces and life is perfect, but the reality is that's not true. The reality is the people that gather in this room Sunday after Sunday are broken people. And so I get the privilege of week after week looking into the eyes of people who've been told to count their days, not by years, but by months because cancer is ravishing their body. And yet when I look in their eyes, there's hope. I get the privilege of week after week standing before people who who go through unthinkable things. Like a spouse that abandons them. And their life has been turned upside down. Yet week after week, I look in their eyes and I see hope. How can that be? Week after week, I look in the eyes of parents whose hearts are broken because their kids are far from God. And they just long for the day when their kids will sit by them at church and and believe in Jesus and follow Jesus with their life. And I see their eyes and I see in their eyes hurt and brokenness, but I also see hope. Why is that the case? Because hope in Jesus is eternal hope. It's not temporary. It's not hope based on this life or a circumstance or money. It is based on Christ. Do you have that kind of hope? A hope that transcends this life. If you do have that kind of hope, here's what's interesting. Paul addresses us in Romans 15 and verse 13 at the end when he says this. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you, those of you who have believed in Jesus and have this hope, that by the Holy Spirit you may, and what does these last three words say? Abound in hope. You know what it means to abound in hope? It means to be overflowing with hope that beyond the necessary. Listen, Christian, believer in Jesus, you should be the most hopeful person in the world. We're not a doomsday mentality kind of people because we have an eternal hope in the one who is and who will be and who always has been, right? Like we have our hope in Jesus and we should be abounding in hope. That's how people can go through terrible things and still be hopeful because their hope is found in Jesus Christ. May we, as God's people, abound in hope this Christmas. May when people think of our lives, may they think of hopeful people because our hope is not in the things that are temporary. Our hope is in the one who is eternal. So listen, you can live One month without food. You can live three days. One, three days without water. And you can live five hours without air. But because of Christmas, five hours, five minutes, sorry, I I caught caught it, totally messed up the last line. You can live. Don't do that. Don't try that, all right? That will be bad. You will see the Lord at that moment. Um, So... You can live five minutes without air. But here's the reality, and this is the beauty of Christmas. You don't have to live one second without hope. Amen. That's what Christmas reminds us of. Jesus has come and he has brought hope with him. Do you know it? And are you abounding in it? Let's pray. Father, thank you. For sending Jesus. In in such a unique in powerful way, you would send him Bethlehem, to obscure people like Joseph and Mary, and reveal his birth to the lowest of the low, the shepherds, and that they would see that hope has come. That the light has dawned. And Lord, I pray for the person in this room who has set their hope in temporary things. That tonight they would put their hope in you. That they would believe in you and know this eternal hope. This hope that is not caught up in circumstances or hope that's not caught up in the the size of my bank account, how successful I am, but hope that is found in you. And I pray tonight that they would believe in you. And then Lord, I pray for those that call themselves Christians who've maybe allowed the pressures of this life to lose sight of the fact that you've called us through the Holy Spirit to abound in hope, to be overflowing with hope. And so I pray that you would give them the confidence and assurance again that you are who you said you are and you will do what you said you will do. And may they abound in hope. Now, as we sing these carols, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be drawn to you and that we would set our hope in the grace of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.